Hey, Leaners, we're really excited for this special episode of Leadership Leaning. Join Pastor Chad and Henry Seeley, Pastor Henry Seeley from Belonging Co., from our Leadership Leaning featured at VUCON. Check this out. We're just so grateful. I'm gonna, we're going to ask you some questions, but I just want to start by saying whenever we look at people that have been around for a long time, just one of our phrases that I, I don't know who, who started it, but I like this phrase, stay in the story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we lose so many people. Yeah. It's like the whole thought, right? Remember Paul goes, Demas left me. Yeah. He's not in the story anymore. Like, you're still in the story. All these years later, from Australia to now, and uh, we just really honor your life. Not just your gift, but your life. Let's clap one more time. It's first time getting to have Henry on Leadership Lean In, and this is a big deal for Leadership Lean In, the podcast. Can I just see your hand? If you've ever listened to Leadership Lean In, let me just see your hand. Thank you. We are the leaners. Henry. And right now, I'm really leaning, because if not, this... Chair is going to put me all the way slouch back. Slouch it out, man. This is a sloucher. This is, this is, um, this is Miami vibes. Right exactly. Now. Take me to the beat. But our, for those of you that are new to the pod, or as I uh, joke around, leaner nation. <laughs> like, how do you become a nation? Just call yourself a nation. Anyways, um, for those of you that are new to the podcast, we, um, our phrase, our value is that we're leaning into the subject of leadership um, just to get a little bit better. And that is out of the book of Proverbs. It says, wisdom says, if you lean into me, I'll lean into you. Jesus repeats this in John 15. He says, if you remain in me, I remain in you. So remember, whatever you lean into, it's going to lean back into you. And so if you're a leader at your church and you want to have more capacity, you want to be used more, if you lean into your community, your community will lean into you. And that goes in marriage, it goes in life, goes in friendship. So that's kind of the whole spirit of lean in. And the word leadership is in the beginning because I believe the greatest felt need on, in the, on the planet is leadership. We need leadership as, as Nick was, clap for our host today, Nick Del Vento, been a friend of mine for a long time. And, um, you know, leadership is the greatest felt need in the world. And we need great leaders. Every church need great, needs great leaders. Every home needs great leaders. Every community. We need leadership. And leadership by definition is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And so if you have influence, you're a leader. And I believe every one of us has a measure. A lot of it is supernatural. Look at your life. It's supernatural influence. Paul talks about the measure that's been, I won't boast about influence that's not mine. I can only boast or work within the measure, the sphere that God's given me. So we are recording a pod today. We'll do all the intro stuff back in L.A., but let's jump right into it. I want to talk to you about that word influence because God has given you great influence, and you've had it for a long time. When did you realize that you had influence? Like, what was the moment, that kind of like aha moment where you're like, whoa, I, I'm impacting people's lives. God's, God's using me greater than just my own life. And how have you been able to sustain your influence over such a long time? And what, when I say that word influence, what comes to mind? What, does that scare you? Does that excite you? Like, what, what, what do you think about influence? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I think about influence, I think about responsibility. Uh, and I think that's the thing for me. You know, I, I, got, I grew up in the church, but I got saved a couple of weeks before my 19th birthday. And music had been my life. You know, I really 
had hoped and dreamed that music was going to be my future. And uh, when I got saved, I music was my idol at the time. You know, it was it was it was my god. And so I, when I got saved, I quit everything, quit the band that I was in, the deal that we had, all that sort of stuff. And I just went and sold myself out for the local church because I was like, man, this is where I met God, and I just believe God wants to move through His church. And so. You know, I um, I the only music that I was still involved in was worship, and this is back in the '90s, and we didn't, there weren't really a lot of great worship songs in them. I mean, for young people, I should say, there was some great worship right. songs. But, Shout you know, to the Lord, but other yeah, than that, yeah. I get it. But I, you know, I get saved right around that time. So 1993 is when I get saved, and I think that's when you know Darlene wrote "Shout to the Lord" around that right. time. And so, you know, we're in our youth ministry, and we're singing like Ron Canoli. Shout out to Ron Canoli. Love Ron Canoli, but like blessing and honor, glo- glory. Some of you guys don't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're singing this in our youth group. You know, open the eyes of my heart. Lord. And I'm that like was a jam. That was a it was, jam. It was a jam. Kia E. Anyways, none. Uh, the youths were not singing these songs. Yeah. And so, you know, we, I just started writing songs because there was a need. And so I just was like, man, I, I just want to serve what we're doing here in our, in, in our youth ministry. And so, you know, I never set out to have it. I, influence is not even on the radar. You know, I wasn't like, man, you know, I can't wait to be like a worship leader or a songwriter. I just, there was a need. There was a need in our community. And so I was like, how can I serve that need? We need songs. And so we just started writing songs. And, you know, if you're old enough to remember, punk was, was a thing. Punk music, ska was a thing. A like thing. in our little cul-de-sac, yeah. Reliant K was a thing. It was a thing, you know. Horn sections were a thing for, for a hot minute, you know. But we started writing these songs that were connecting with young people. And I think from there, you know, we birthed uh, a... a part of birthing a movement in Australia called Planet Shakers and that, you know, had a pretty significant impact in Australia. But again, it wasn't for the, we weren't trying to build something to build big. We wanted to, we wanted to build people strong. And so I think that is for me, when I think about influence, I think, man, my responsibility, what, what am I leaving what am I depositing into somebody's life? We, you know, we, we, have, we live in a, co- a culture right now that, you know, we talk about influence. It's, it's the buzzword. I'm an influencer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, like, you don't understand the responsibility of influence. You know, you're just out trying to sell this and try, somebody's trying to sell you something on Instagram that they don't even believe in. Like, somebody just reached out to them and said, hey, if you'll post about this, then, you know, we'll give you a free one. And who doesn't want free stuff? And so that's actually how we're being influenced in culture right now. But I I believe as believers, as sons and daughters of God, no matter where you are, what space God has given you, there is influence comes with responsibility. Responsibility leads to more influence in your life. And so that's honestly when I when I think about influence, that's what I think about responsibility. You 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 know, um, Henry won't tell you this, but I will tell you, Henry has won Grammys. That is pr- we get clap just one. Oh, one Grammy. Let's this is our first Grammy Award-winning artist on the pod. And um, you've been around a lot of influential people. Yeah. You, you have a lot of influential, in our cul-de-sac in Christianity, you have very influential people on your platform that help contribute. What are some pitfalls? What are some dangers you've seen with influence misused? Or always, I always think like the quickest way to lose influence is to not be aware of it. When you, when you recognize that you have influence, you start to be more cautious. Like you use the word responsibility. I think there's a lot of caution. Yeah. Yeah. When someone's like, you know, I 
listen to Belonging Co. Or yeah. there's a lot of responsibility that comes on yeah. you. Um, how would how, you know? Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting deal to have Christian celebrity, yeah. and that whole thing is so weird to me. Um, how do, how do you reconcile that? How do you lead influential people to stay humble and stay grounded? Or you know, you've won a Grammy. How have you done that yourself? To because I don't think that it's like one or the other. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's never like be humble or be influential. Yeah, yeah. I think you have great influence yes. and great humility and great character. Yeah. How have you coached that and trained that and lived that yourself? Uh, man, um, you know, I think. I think a lot of things when you're talking about this, um, you know, I think realizing that actually the influence and the platform that God is, it's, it is a gift from God. Yeah. It's not yours. Uh, it is a gift. And we have the privilege of stewarding the gifts of God. I think sometimes, and, and when you talk about pitfalls and, and traps for people, it's most often when people have misunderstood that the gift is about them or for them, but actually the gift is always for the people. Uh, you know, Joseph's platform, as Pastor Rich was sharing last night here at Vukon, uh, you know, Joseph's gift was not for him. It was for the people. It was for the betterment of the nation. It was for God has, God has placed gifts in your life, not so that you can be seen, but so that he can be seen. Wow. And so, you know, I think with that, our responsibility, yes, there's a responsibility to work on the gift or work on the platform of the influence that God has given us. But the most important thing is to work on character because God will continue to give gifts. He'll continue to give influence. He'll continue to give you platform. And, and he actually promises it without repentance. You know, he, he, he's just going to continue because that's his nature. He wants to continually increase that in your life. But your responsibility with that is the character going to be strong enough to support as the gift grows is the character strong enough to support it? And so that's one of the things that we actually talk about a lot with our team. Um, you know, I, th I think realizing that no matter how influential someone is, they're still a person. They still have needs. They still need Jesus as much as any of us do. Uh, and I think sometimes we can forget that fact. I've seen pastors do this a lot along the way where they've, you know, they've overlooked things that are going on in people's lives because they're like, man, well, that person can benefit our church. You know, they can benefit. Our church will grow if we can get them on the stage. And it's like, yeah, but that person's bleeding right now. Like they actually, the last thing they need is the stage. They need a hospital right now. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about in our church, and, and hear my heart with all of this, we haven't got any of this figured out. You know, like we are, we are 10 years into the blowing co. I'm almost 30 years into ministry or 28 years into ministry. And I'm learning more right now than I ever have in my life, you know. Um, but some of the things I think that we've learned along the way, you know, we, we talk about as a ch our church, it's, it's a hospital, it's a boot camp, and it's a fueling station. Uh, I think there's, you know, in the, in the city that I moved to, there was a lot of churches that were acting as hospitals. Uh, well, they were acting as emergency rooms, but then hoping people would just camp out the rest of the life in the emergency room of like, it's okay, you're, you're wounded and broken. You know, God loves you and your brokenness, and he does, but he loves you enough to take you out of your brokenness. Yeah. And so we, you know, we were, had these people in this constant state of being hospitalized in their faith. And Alex and I got such a burden of like, yeah, we need to bring in those who are wounded, those who are hurt, those who are, you know, walking through it. But let's 
You're never meant to live in the hospital your whole life. You're never meant to live dependent on medication or on crutches your whole life. You're actually meant to get better. Right. So let's help you get better. And from there, let's strengthen you. Let's, you know, this is a boot wow. camp. All right, let's build you up. And then let's send you out. And then come back every week and be part of this. Get fueled up to go out and do what God has called you to do. Wow. And so I think with all of that, you know, seeing through the gift on people's lives, seeing through the influence and seeing into the heart. And I think for me, one of the... Honestly, one of the gifts that I feel like God has given me, I, I love music so much. I love musicians um, and, and talented people. But for whatever reason, I don't get intimidated in that space. Wow. There's other areas that I've had to learn how to not be intimidated. Wow. But I think God had to deal with an element of insecurity in me in order for me to be able to lead people wow. who are in that space. Otherwise, I would have led from a place of being intimidated by the gift on their life. Wow. And you, you can't see... This is, I believe insecurity is one of the greatest debilitators for leaders. Uh, and oftentimes we get insecure by the, about the people that we're leading or the gifts on their life. And we actually can't, you can't shepherd someone that you're insecure of their gift or insecure of their platform. And so I, I think God had to take me into a deep place to deal with it in my own life so that, and you know, honestly, you know, winning a Grammy, whatever. I, I want a gra- I wasn't even as an artist. I want a Grammy for mixing a record for Israel Houghton, who's one of the most talented people on the planet. And in a time where it was, I had almost stopped mixing because we were so deep into church. But I think, honestly, God did it because he knew in the world that I'm in, that actually brings credibility. I didn't need the Grammy for me, you know. Honestly, when we moved house, my wife had a panic attack a couple of weeks in because she she came down to me one day and she was like, Babe, I think I've lost the Grammy. And I was like, I mean, I didn't even see it when we packed. You know, like, I didn't even know where it was. I'm like, I'm, I'm honored to have that. Wow. But it says more to other people than it does to me because yes. my validation is not in a trophy. So my validation's my crown's in heaven, you know? So. So encouraging. I love listening to you talk, and I think that... Um, it's so funny. It's, it, leadership is this interesting dynamic where um, it's so counterculture. The lower you go, the higher God takes yeah. you. Yeah. And when I listen to you and I watch you, I, you're someone to me that's always inspired me that you're very grounded. You're very rooted. You understand your why. Yeah. I think that's such an important uh, quality for a leader. Yeah. Talk to me about, like, you've been doing this for so long, 28 years yeah. in this profession, uh, you moved from Australia to Nashville to start something in a basement. Yeah. Didn't even see that coming. Yeah. Um, this thing explodes on Tuesday nights in Nashville. Has to go to Sundays. You buy property. Like thousands of people are showing up. This is all pretty exciting. Yeah. What have you held as a value of discipline in your life to keep you grounded with what we would consider a lot of success. Not everybody's experiencing what you've experienced. So what, what have you gone like? These are, I, I don't know, a better, better language than non-negotiables. Or these are my daily disciplines or my weekly habits that I have to. If I don't have this, I know I'm not going to be around that long. These are the things I put in my life to make sure I get to keep on being a blessing and keep on being an influence. And I want to stay in the story. What have you put in your life? Uh, I pay attention to my wife <laughs> and all the things that she says to me along I, the way. Julia, Julia just said amen and, uh, to that, yes. I, I know that this is not everyone's um, you know, situation, but I'm very thankful that Alex and I you know, get to be in ministry together um, because just that accountability in and of itself is incredible. 
Um, and, you know, my, my wife is such a godly person. She, she you got, I mean, you guys have seen her. She, she knows Jesus. She knows the Holy Spirit in a way that sometimes is like, man. But, you know, being in that place in our marriage where, you know, leading together is not always easy. Um, so having to be disciplined of like, all right, we have to just switch off from church right now and just spend some time together, uh, just the two of us. But I, I think, you know, Alex and I are always in that place of, are we staying true to what God called us to do? You know, are we, have we changed in, in a negative way? And, and keeping each other accountable in that place, you know, I think you can, you have to, you, I think the temptation for people, the, the longer they're in ministry, the easier it is to think you can do this on your own. And God will constantly remind you that you cannot, you know. He will bring you things and opportunities and challenges that you're like, ah. Oh. When you're praying like, God, I want more faith. And he's like, gotcha. You know, like, here's a situation. I'm like, God, I didn't pray for this. And he's like, no, you did. You yeah, asked for more did. faith, you know. So I think staying in that place where we're constantly asking God, build our faith. Um, you, you know, help us build something that's strong. I believe in building stronger rather than bigger. Uh, I believe in, in you know, wow. f- I, honestly, I think a lot of people just want to build big. I remember, you know, hearing years and years ago, people are like, you know, um, you know, healthy things grow. And I'm like, and I got the revelation one day, actually, you know what? Unhealthy things grow too, you know? Cancer grows, and cancer grows really quickly. And so just because it's growing doesn't mean it's healthy. Uh, and if you are growing, doesn't mean it's unhealthy, but you just have to pay attention to the fruit. It's not whether or not people are producing fruit. It's the quality of fruit. And so just, I think, you know, paying attention to those things that are happening along the way, even in our own lives. Uh, we, we, uh, we have our staff, because we do a Tuesday night service as well as Sundays. Wednesday is kind of our staff day. So that's the day that we come together and, and you know, just do everything we need to do. And, and we start almost every Wednesday morning um, just sharing testimonies. And I've done it not out of habit, but it's actually a litmus test for us as a team. And there is occasional weeks that we don't do it. But most every week we come together and we start prayer meeting, uh, start staff meeting with, um, with sharing testimonies. And I'll ask the team, like, hey, anyone got any testimonies? And if I notice that there's no testimonies, which there's never been a week without a testimony, but if there isn't, I'm like, all right, we, we, we're missing something because we're not being fruitful in the way that we need to be. And so I'll encourage the team. Or if there's only, you know, one or two, I'll be like, all right, guys, let's pray. We're going to spend some time praying. And there's some areas in our, in our areas where we need to start believing God for the next level of miracles or breakthroughs. And, and so just really encouraging our team. And, and honestly, in doing that, it helps our whole team stay grounded in, actually, this is not an event we're doing. It's not an organization we're running. These are lives that are being impacted for and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that, it's, it's a good reminder for our team. So good. Talk to me uh, a little bit more about this lane of discipline, systems. Uh, I was saying that at the lunch today, one of my favorite lines from James Clear, atomic habits, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And I think that's really important as a leader just to have your weekly rhythm, your daily rhythm, just I, I, so much of leadership to me is getting comfortable in your own skin, yeah. figuring out what works for you to be the best version of you. You're an artist. And so sometimes when we talk about leaders, uh, you know, I love the Christian horoscope called Enneagram. <laughs> what number are you? You're such a seven. Um, I'm a three. Thank you for asking. Uh, 
But I think sometimes, you know, for an artist, it's, it's such a different system. It's such a different flow. How did you get comfortable going like, I'm not like all the other people that do what I do. I'm, I, you're truly an artist. That God built you that way. How did you get comfortable? How did you find that rhythm work for you and, and probably get to the place where you're unapologetic about it? How, what was that journey like? Yeah, it was definitely a journey. And part, it, you know, you, you kind of alluded to this before that we, you know, we never start, set out to start a church. Uh, when God sent us to Nashville, I came honestly a little bit kicking and screaming because I was like, God, if I'm going to leave Melbourne, which is like coffee capital maybe of the world, you know, LA's great, but Melbourne is, you know, it's up there. Uh, food, all this stuff, the beach. And then you're going to send us to Nashville, which is seven hours from the beach. 12 years ago, had some of the worst food on the planet, terrible coffee. And I was like, God, I, I don't want to be there. But he said, no, you need to go. And, uh, and so we showed up. Do you think that he sent you there before all the Californians left us for you? Yes. yes. He was like just we, paving away? We were pioneering. Are you the John the Baptist yeah. of COVID? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It all makes sense now. Keep going. Yeah. I got a bag of locusts out the back there. So uh, we, uh, you know, we, we moved. And so... You know, I had, I had been a worship leader and a producer and a mix engineer for, you know, almost 20 years prior to us moving. And, um, and so, you know, when we showed up in Nashville and, we, and I was like, God, what are we doing? And he just said, just get busy with the doors that I open. And so I just started mixing records for people and producing and traveling, doing worship. And so I met a lot of people in the music community through that and started to realize that there was a lot of need because people are traveling on the weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of them weren't in church because they were gone. And then they were made to feel bad that they weren't in church, even though they were out doing the work of the Lord, but they had no one pouring into them. And after about six months, my wife and I were just praying, saying, God, somebody needs to do something about this. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, not me, no way. But, you know, we were faithful in opening up our, our home on a Tuesday night, which is when many of them are here. And so for a year, we just had people in our house every, almost every Tuesday night. And as it was growing, people started saying, hey, you need to come meet my pastor. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not your pastor. Like, I'm, no, like this is my home, but I'm not your pastor. And they're like, well, okay, you know. And, and so there was this uncomfortable sense in me because I'd actually been told my whole life, that I'm not pastoral because I'm not an extrovert. I'm very much an introvert by nature. Uh, and people would be like, well, are you really good with the music stuff? But, you know, like, you're not so good with the people. And if you know my wife, she is like the extrovert of extroverts. You know, she just loves people. And, and sometimes the best way I can love people is by not being around people. You know, like, <laughs> I know my limits. So, and so give me a shout out if you're an introvert in the room. But I, I that got, was the loudest <laughs> introvert shout I've ever heard. I've never heard an introvert shout that loud, and I loved it. So I, I got to this place where I, it was really a bit of a conundrum of, like, God is blowing up this thing in our, in our basement, and the blockage, the roadblock, is actually that I don't see myself as a pastor because I've had these words spoken over my life. And, um, you know, through, through some pretty clear things from God, um, and some prophetic things um, that it was like God was like, you got a choice, but here's the right way, you know. And I knew that that actually meant surrendering my fear of being a pastor because I knew that I'm not, I'm not Chad Veach. You know, I'm not Rich Jr. I'm not, these, I'm not these, you know, guys who can just 
get up and just make every everyone laugh all the time, whatever. I'm like, just give me a guitar or a piano and I'll do something else in the room. But that's not my was not my natural gift set, you know. And so I I was intimidated by the assignment from God. And I actually had to surrender that and say, all right, God, if you've asked me to do this, then number one, I got to get on board. Secondly, I got to surrender my fear of what I think that I'm not. And thirdly, I have to be diligent and disciplined to grow in this. And you got to understand too, I'm married to not only an extrovert, but an incredible preacher. And I'd preach but two messages in my whole life before we started, you know, meeting on a Tuesday night because I was the worship guy, you know. And so there was all these things that I actually had to come to this place of surrender and and intimidated in that of like, I know I'm doing this now in front of people. I'm learning how to preach in front of hundreds of people and it's painful. I'm watching people's faces at times. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, just God help me. I'm I'm dying here, you know, but I had to be disciplined and diligent in if I'm not good at this, but God's asked me to do it, then I got to get better. You know, I got to just dig into that place. And so and it wasn't that I'm trying to live up to what somebody else is doing, but I had to learn these are the areas that I'm weak in. And I can't be like, well, God called me. And so he's just going to figure it out. No, God calls you. And then he puts the responsibility on you to grow. And so I had to grow in my in my love and not not my love of people, but showing my love of people. And also realizing that actually part of the the mantle of my life is as an apostolic shepherd within our team. And so, you know, God has been very kind to bring some amazing people around us so that... Just name some of... Name drop. Just name drop real fast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, we we have... We're not in LA. You're fine. Keep going. (laughs) Wow. We do have some incredible worship leaders in our church for sure. But beyond that, even staff members who... Just have years, yeah. some of them decades of experience yeah. in ministry, who actually saw, it was like God sent them on assignment to, to come around me and Alex so that we could do something that maybe looked a little bit different. And even now in this space, almost 10 years into church, I'm learning that I hate meetings. I hate them. They're soul-destroying for me. So I discipline myself and I try and do all my meetings in one day a week because I can stay focused in that. But I also know that there are other people that can take care of things in the church. It's actually not my gifting. And it would be detrimental to the church if I was trying to do those things. So I've released. They're released. And so especially, you know, for me, the time will come when I don't have to be really as hands-on producing what I'm producing in church. But right now, that's just part of my assignment. And so during album season, everyone knows it's just going to look a little different. And if you want to get a hold of me, probably text me at 2 a.m. instead of 2 p.m. It's going to be a better time to get me. You know what I mean? So I think understanding that it doesn't have to look the same as everybody else. When, when we started church, we only met on Tuesday nights for almost three years. And I would have pastors calling me saying, but when are you going to become a real church? And I'd be like, I mean, we have a thousand people here on a Tuesday night. You know, like we're we're ministering to people. Uh, So I think just realizing that whatever God is calling you to, he's going to give you a unique blueprint and you're going to fail trying to build to someone else's blueprint or someone else's plan. But God wants to give you something unique, not just for your city, but for the people that he wants to minister to through you. And I, and I do think there's something about the leadership development process, right? Rich had a great line last night. Did you guys catch that line? He said, usually the baking of a leader looks like the breaking of a leader. 
And man, did I love that line. It's really true. And a lot of times God, when he's raising you up, sometimes he'll, um, like David on the backside of the desert when nobody's watching, other times God will develop you right in front of everybody. Like we have this friend, Todd Mullins, shout out to Christ Fellowship, anybody from Christ Fellowship, one of my favorite churches. He said when he took over for his father, every Sunday he preached, John Maxwell was in the front row. He never preached before. John Maxwell's every Sunday in the front row. And he said, some people would look at that like, oh, God, why would you do this to me? He's like, I looked at it like, God, thank you for putting the best communicator in the front row. So right after the service, I can meet and he can give me notes on how to get better. So much of leadership is just shifting your perspective to see it in a better way. Hey, we're going to take a brief moment and thank our sponsors, HelloFresh. And this is what I love about HelloFresh. HelloFresh curates an incredible box of chef-crafted recipes. Not only that, but it comes with incredible proteins, produce. Look, it's one thing to be a leader and have a busy lifestyle. It's a whole other thing to get efficient with your everyday dinner. Not to mention, if you have a family, HelloFresh doesn't just become a way to have a dinner together or share something healthy, but it's a way for your family to come together and create an experience experience, a moment, and a memory. So check out HelloFresh. And of course, for leaners, uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a discount. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash Lean50 and use code Lean50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Uh, again, that's go to HelloFresh.com slash Lean50 and use code Lean50 for 50% off plus free shipping. And I'm not, this isn't just an ad trying to convince you to get HelloFresh. We love HelloFresh and we have a great time doing it. And with that being said, let's get back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about the value of relationships because I, I, I've seen you in Melbourne and see you in Nashville. And one thing I appreciate about you and your wife is your commitment to people, your commitment to relationships. Um, I've never been around you and heard you gossip. I've heard you concerned about people and speak from a pastoral place, um, but never, you know, never bad mouthing. Um, I've, I, I know your story. I know a lot of what you've gone through. Um, talk to me about when I say relationships in leadership and the commitment to people, what jumps out to you right away? Because this is something that's so cool. You're creative, you're unbelievably gifted, but one of the things I love about you is your love for people. Where does the, where does that come from, and how does that play out in your leadership? Uh, when I hear you say that, I all I can hear is cost. <laughs> you know, relationship is costly. Uh, but I was I was actually I was talking with Tim Ross and and uh, somebody yesterday, and you know, sometimes we 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 want the blessing, but blessing actually comes at a price, and. It has to come at a price. It has to come by sacrifice. And I think it's the same way with relationship. Relationships are costly. But anything that's valuable in your life has to come at a price. It has to come at a cost. And so you can, you can go through life. And honestly, as an introvert, the temptation for me to, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually dying. But I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm falling apart over here and nobody knows because I'm just locked away. But I'm good. You know, I think that temptation, and so for me, relationship is, is actually costly because I have to break out of my introverted sense, my introverted nature, in order to build relationship with people and sustain relationship. And, you know, when you've, when you've been in ministry or been in church long enough, this, this hurt. It's inevitable. It's, it's, there will be betrayal. Uh, I don't believe God ever sends betrayal, but he will use betrayal. 
And uh, at times, honestly, situations that somebody doesn't even know that they're acting in that way. But God's actually somehow in this miraculous, supernatural way, kind of intercepting the words and the statements and the actions because God needs to shape you. And he shapes you through people. And so relationship is, is great when it's, when it's going awesome. I mean, that's, that's life-giving. But actually painful relationships along the way, I would say I don't want them, but that equally as valuable and as important because it's through those hurts, it's through those moments of pain that God will test your heart and he'll test your motivation and he'll test whether you're willing to say, you know, I'm going to go at it again. You know, I'm, I'm going to step back in the ring. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to let this sideline me. And so, you know, I think one of the greatest, the older you get, the more you realize one of the greatest things that can happen in life is that you can be betrayed and then still restore relationship so that you don't live the, the rest of your life drinking the poison and the toxicity of the pain that you've felt in the past, you know? And everyone's in the room like, wow, wow. It's only wow when you've got to that side of revelation or you've never experienced the pain. The place, the desert in the middle is not wow. The desert in the middle is God. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's bad. But it's, it's part of the beautiful journey that we're on and it is you know it's the church it is you're gonna get hurt in ch- you're gonna get hurt in life you know what I mean don't expect that you won't get hurt in church but I think being committed to relationship and I think you know having people around you who are in the same lane that you you know you make those sacrifices I, I didn't come to VUCOM because I was asked to do anything I actually only told Rich that I was coming because I, I knew that he'd be mad if he saw my face and was like, you didn't text me, you know, but I wasn't here to do this. You know, I wasn't here to lead worship. I just, we showed up because I made a decision. I want to show up to, to just support our friends, support what other people are doing. I don't want to live in a space where we're like, we got this whole little world in Nashville and yeah, God's doing good things, but we haven't got it all figured out. You know, like I'm going to come here and learn. I'm going to come here and be inspired and I'm going to come here and encourage Rich and DC and say, I know this is hard work. This is costly, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it for the kingdom. It's worth it for your church. It's worth it for you guys. It's worth it for us. And so I think being committed to relationship is it's accountability, it's friendship, it's building, it's costly, but the fruit and the value of it is is priceless, you know. As you're talking, it makes me think, recently I heard uh, Stephen Furtick was talking about the difference between team and family. He was saying when he first started the church, you know, the staff or maybe the beginning stages, like, we're family, everybody's family, and then, you know, things happen and transition and life and babies and what, fill in the blank. And he said, I stopped using the word family. And I started using the word team because it really started to mess with people. If let's say you have to fire somebody or let's say, and they're like, I thought we were family, you know, like, have you had to, I think it's, let me just add a little bit more thought into this so that, because I want to hear what you have to say. I think that there's a real value for a leader is delineating between your lifelong friends and who you work with. And I think these are rarely the same people. And so I think through, through experience, you start to go like, okay, lifelong friends, no matter my title, no matter my power position, these are my friends. Um, right now, I'm privileged to be in relationship with these people, but it won't last forever. Have you run up against that? And, and how has that played out in your leadership? Yeah, uh, 
I, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this and talk about it because we've also, you know, talked about family. I think, you know, it's, you got to understand the, 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 uh, the context, I guess, of family. Like, you know, we, we have an immediate family. My beautiful do- uh, daughter, Holly, is sitting here in the second row. And, uh, you know, I, I would do anything for Holly because she's, she's my, my child. It's immediate family. I'd do anything for my wife. I'd do anything for my son. Uh, and then I have extended family who I love, and we're, we're in this, but I don't have necessarily close relationship with them. Um, you know, I have close relationship with my siblings, but my cousins and, you know, some other people who are still, they're attached. You know, we are still technically family, but I don't necessarily have close relationship with them. And they have, you know, come and gone from my life. And so they're still family, you know, but they're not close family. And so I think for me, you know, even with our team, I... I, we do refer to them as team, and sometimes we'll talk about it being family. I am committed to our staff, and I know, this is a really big statement, and not everyone necessarily needs to live in this headspace. This is just my revelation. But I, I feel like we had witnessed the church become so corporate that people could just hire and fire people, you know, left, right, and center. And that's actually really heartbreaking for people. Um, I think sometimes people get put in positions that they were never meant to be in, and then you fire them, and, you know, it's they're all upside down. But I've, we've made a real commitment as leaders to do everything that we can to actually keep people in church after they've finished their time on staff. Let me say, it's a big statement, uh, and we're not perfect at it, but we have a pretty high track record of that because we've actually been really mindful who we've put in place in the first place. And so, and again, everyone's got to get this revelation for yourself. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that this is how everyone should do it. I just personally believe as much as we can, we want to raise up people to come on staff who are already part of our church. And that's not the, you know, we've had exceptions to the rule with that. But I do believe in, you know, seeing how people, the best interview somebody can have is serving at church for five years you know like that's the best interview for me I, I I can't learn really that much from a resume at a 30 minute zoom call you know what I mean like you can you can be on your best behavior but I want to know how you've been consistently leading people or impacting the people around you and so for most for the most part most of our team have actually just come because they've been serving in church and so with that there actually is a sense of this there's you know it goes beyond team um, and then there are people that we've had to sit them down along the way and say, you know what, it's not because you're doing it. Well, there have been a few people that have done a not great job, you know. But when, when I see that, it's not like, hey, you're doing a terrible job, so I need to fire you. It's actually, you know what, you, you're not in your sweet spot. Yeah. And so the church is suffering, the team's suffering, but you're suffering because you're feeling like you're trying to live up to an expectation that you you're not only disappointing the people around you not only disappointing us you're disappointing yourself because you're not in your sweet spot so if the grace is lifted let's figure out how to walk that journey with you and i think you know reframing it from that i know i've kind of sidelined this conversation a little bit no i like it i like all of it you know when when you talk about team it's very easy to just say you know what you're off the team you know like you didn't make the cut this year you know you didn't make the tryout so you're not on the team and that's cool that's part of life and some of us need to just man up a little bit in that but at the same time if 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 somebody who's on my team was valuable to us in the church before they were on paid stuff they got to still be valuable to us after they were finished their time on paid stuff and so that's actually been a bit of a revelation for us in this season and it's a big commitment 
you know, it's a big commitment and it's a longer journey with people that I've had people that I've had to take six months to actually, you know, take them off the staff position because I'm actually committed to them finding another, you know, somewhere else so that their family's not overlooked. And that's not been everyone, but that's been the kind of commitment that we've had. And so that honestly, it feels like family at times. It feels like it's costly. So yes, very much a team, but I want to, I, I feel a burden for it to be more than just team. So good. I think at the end of the day, our commitment is to people yes. and to relationship. And nothing says more about your leadership than your relationships. Yes. Your relationships are a true reflection of how well you've been leading or lack thereof. Yes. And so I think just like you said, making that commitment. I always get a picture of, you know, the prodigal son's father. Yeah. yeah. That's a great leader. Because yeah. yeah. leadership, you, we all have this temptation of like controlling things yeah. And I want to force this person to do something. At the end of the day, what leadership teaches all of us is I have no control. Yes. <laughs> and people are going to do what they want to do. Yeah. And so I love that the dad was like, yeah, yeah that's what you want to do. I don't agree. Yeah. I don't want you to do that. I don't think it's the best thing for yeah. you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're a grown person. You're going to have to do that. Yeah. But I think I always want to have the security. Yeah. That's such a soul thing that yes. we were just talking about. Yeah. I want to have a soul that's like if somebody ever wanted to come back. Yeah. They absolutely could. I love this. Jude and Sierra are sitting here in the front row, and uh, Sierra's dad leads a, a prayer meeting every Thursday night called Pursuit. Pastor Dave Patterson is a board member for, for us and just an unbelievable leader. And he says every Thursday night they pray for prodigals to come home. And it's like how, how could God not send them home if we're open to it? I think so many leaders are just like cutthroat. I'll never forget when I was first starting a youth ministry, we went to this summer camp and one of the leaders, like he was this older Hispanic guy and it was in the morning time, we're going to like to breakfast and he came up to me and he's like, Chad, I got a revelation this morning, Hans. And I was like, this is going to be a delight. And he's like, God spoke to me that God is like in and out. And I was like, here, here it comes. Either you're in or you're out. And I was just like, let's go get eggs. Come on, this is a, let's get a bagel real fast, buddy. I, I think that spirit is so toxic in leadership that if it's like you're in or you're out, you're in, you're, it's, you're not mafia. Well. Right? Like some, some leaders are like, it's mafia. Kiss the ring. Like, it's just real. I think part of leadership is, is, you know, one of our values in leadership Linda, is talking about servant leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And most leaders are willing to serve when it serves them. Yeah. 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 The test of leadership is when it doesn't serve you. Can you, be, I think this is really tricky because what we're, what they're talking about in the last session, your soul. I run into so many leaders that have such a small soul. So when something big transpires, you can't handle it. You understand? It's like you got to become big enough on the inside. All of leadership to me is an inner scoreboard versus an outer reality. I'm not trying to build. The outer scoreboard of leadership is like followers, money, uh, team members, staff members. That's outer. Inner scoreboard soul stuff. And if you have a really healthy soul, people can come and go, but they could, 
they could come back. That's the test of your leadership is your commitment to longevity of people. And if it's never an option, so much of leadership, by the way, to me, is that people just need to know where they can go when it hits the fan. Because if, if you're not an option, you're going to miss out on opportunities. To lead, to influence, to impact, to give wisdom, to help somebody in need. If you're not an option, they're going to the next person. It's always be an option for people. In, in, no matter what others do. I want to end with this last thought real, real, real fast and then, and then we're done. Has Henry not been brilliant? Can we thank Henry? Unbelievable. I love listening to you talk. It would, it would behoove us on the pod to not talk to you about creativity. As a creative, talk to us as leaders. How do we develop a more creative lifestyle, be more creative with words and yeah. thoughts and systems and yeah. when when you when you tap into your creative you get in that stream what unlocks and how do we unlock that for us firstly i think we're all creative like yes. we are i yes. think sometimes we can think creativity is limited to the arts you know or limited to music or you know s- stage or production we're all creative yes. we are made yes. in the image of a creative god he is right. by an essence and nature a creator and so if you are in the room or you're listening to this and you think well i'm not really creative no you're just believing a lie you are creative right. uh, and in fact god is called people here in this room, people listening to my voice right now, God has called you with creative solutions that the earth needs, but because you've spoken over yourself that you're not creative, the earth is actually missing out on a God solution that's going to come through you. So I want to encourage you, dig into that place. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of creativity, it's it's being secure enough to... uh, to appreciate what's going on around you. Uh, Insecure leaders are rarely actually creative. They're uh, more often, uh, you you know, they they can regurgitate um, because they're trying to perform. But when when you're secure, you know, you can appreciate the gift on somebody else's life because you realize, actually, this is not a competition. We're working together on the same team. You know, we're, we're trying to build the kingdom of God. We're not trying to build you know, a platform. We're not trying to build an empire. We're building the kingdom of God. And so, you know, when Zoe music releases something and it blows up and it goes to radio, I'm like, praise God. You know, like, thank God that more worship expression is coming out because it's, it sounds different to the blowing and, and it should, you know, like when Vu's releasing stuff, I mean, I'm listening to some of these songs. I'm like, Jesus, this is amazing. Like you're being glorified right now. And that, and that to me, I'm like, I'm, I'm the cheer squad, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, people have, uh, I mean, obviously I've been leading worship for a long time and, and, and we released a couple records last year, uh, two within the span of three months and one of them I, I, I wasn't even on and people were like, well, we can't have a record without you on it. I'm like, but, but why? Like, I, this is this is all of us together. I don't, I'm, I'm not guaranteed a, I'm not looking for a spot. Yeah, I'm yeah. here to serve. And so if what I was part of in the moment was serving, you know, in that moment and it ended up on a record, praise God. But someone else is serving and so the songs are out there. And so I think for me, being being able to be secure enough to realize that creativity is as much celebrating what God is doing through other people and through that growing and being inspired. I come to Vu and I'm, and I'm inspired. I see what you guys are doing. I'm inspired. And so that that's not a 
competition, that's actually an unlocking of creativity within me. And I think with that, the, the flip side of it is oftentimes we overlook the fact that creativity, so much of it actually just comes from discipline. It's like you have to be disciplined. I, I can have all the creative thoughts that I want. You know, I've got this little side project that I've, you know, my wife for years had been, let's say, encouraging me. Um, <laughs> She's like, you know, every time you play the piano, it just really ministers to me. And I'm like, you're a big fan. She's like, no, it's God's on it. You know, so I, I, I realized actually last year I was getting into this place in leadership where I was becoming more focused on leadership and meetings and all that stuff was important. But I had neglected an element of creativity in my life. And even though we were producing stuff for church, that was work at that time. And I, and I was realizing I was... I was not in a happy place because if I'm not expressing through creativity, it doesn't take long for me to become a not very nice person. And I was just shutting down. And so my wife was like, you need to go and buy a piano. You need to go just do something that you can, you know. So I started work on this little side thing. And honestly, every time I sit down at this particular piano that I have, it's like stuff just comes out of me. I can't even help it. And so that's all the creativity is there. But in order for it to become what it needs to, it takes an equal amount of discipline. I have to be disciplined with my time to lock out time to finish it. So I've got all these great ideas on my phone, great ideas every time I sit down. But unless I'm disciplined with those ideas, they actually never become the fruit that they were intended to. And so I think, you know, with creativity, sometimes, sometimes we've got to realize that you can be creative in a moment. I've said this to songwriters and worship leaders. Don't underestimate the fact that the greatest worship songs that you might ever write will never be heard by anyone and they should never be heard by anyone it should be a moment between you and the lord that is your number one worship stop trying to just sit down and worship so that you can come up with a song see that was that's an alarm from heaven right now if you can hear that it's an alarm from heaven to wake you up and remind you but you know my if if my best worship if i'm not creating my best simply just for god's pleasure then it's already perverted. You know, it's already polluted. And so I think getting in that place and realizing when you, man, you get into that overflow. And, and that takes discipline. It takes discipline to get in that place where I turn off all the noise and I stop scrolling and I just put all this stuff down and I just get away with God and just worship Him or just write something for Him or just, you know, begin to write what's on my heart that He's been speaking to me about that I need to share with people that I've been too undisciplined to get to that point. So, you know, I, I just, I want to say this, crea creativity is in all of us. It's going to look different for every one of us and it should. And so allow the creative God to create through you. So good. So, so, so good. Thank you so much. We just um, can't thank you enough for, for the way that you live, the way that you lead. Uh, you and Alex, if you guys are ever in Nashville, you have to go to the Belonging Co. Come hang. And I'm very excited uh, for your conference this yeah. September. We're Come coming on. to Nashville. On, hang out with all of our old friends from Los Angeles. <clears throat> have the city. And... Um, we, we love you, Bonnie. Come on, let's clap for Henry one more time. 